Born to die. Take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. We're going to continue our House on the Rock series. I tell you, I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed this series. Abby, go ahead and bring me one of those papers. They're up here already? Oh, very good. Very good. I've really enjoyed this. The Bible says at the end of this passage, at the end of this sermon, Jesus said, if you hear these sayings of mine and you do them, you're going to be like that wise man who built his house on the rock. And he, so he laid it out for us. If Jesus said that that's going to work, it's going to work. So we're going through these things specifically. And one of the things that last week we, uh, we started talking about was following the least commandments. Following the least commandments. Things that they're not mentioned in the Bible very much maybe. Maybe not a lot set out of them. Maybe there are things that we don't look at as being real important. They're not. We're not talking about you know the big sins here. We're talking about some little things. But we see Jesus said that whoever does and teaches these will be great in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever does not do them and teach other people not to do them, they will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, I don't want to be a pastor and I don't want to have a church where we teach people that different things that God told us to do is not important. If God put it in the Bible, if He told us to do it, 
It is important. And while some of these things, we might not think they're that big of a deal, to God they are a big deal. And we want to make sure that we're obedient to Him in these things. And so this week we're going to talk about some more of the least commandments that Jesus mentioned. So in Matthew chapter 5, I'm in Mark. No wonder there weren't enough verses in that chapter. Matthew chapter 5, verse 31. It says, It has been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Right there, I think I think it's appropriate. I think it was kind of neat. I I didn't plan on us talking about this specific thing the night that we uh, renewed the vows of Pat and Lisa, but I think it's interesting that that, that it just worked out that way. But right here it says. He tells him he he talks about he talks specifically about divorce. He said it's been said in the law in the Old Testament law there was an allowance made in there for divorce. It said that if you know if you uh, if there was fornication involved, divorce was allowed. It was legal according to the Old Testament law. But Jesus says something here. That, but he says something here. And he uh, he mentions that uh, it says whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And then there's other passages where Jesus talks about it, and he said in the beginning it was not so. They, uh, Jesus was often questioned about this subject. We're not going to take time to read it, but the Pharisees they asked him about it one time, and Jesus told him he said because of the hardness of your heart, we allowed you to do this. But in the beginning, it wasn't so. This isn't the way that God planned it. You know, God wants marriages to last until death. That is that is what God wants. That's the way He intended it to happen. God, when He made man, and He made that first man, that first woman, He only made one of each. God didn't give Adam a bunch of choices. He made one, and He wanted them to get married and stay together until one of them died. That was originally God's plan. But then later on, of course, you know, they started. People started having problems, like everybody has. Uh, you know, the the wife maybe she was getting a little out of hand and not listening to her husband very good, and maybe she met, you know wasn't doing a good job cooking or whatever. And you know, the guy's like, you know, I've had enough of this. I want to get rid of her. And they and they or maybe the wife the same way. I can't stand my husband. He drives me nuts. See, I just I want to get rid of him. And these people were just determined to break these marriages up and things. And back in the Bible days, boy, people, if they had too much trouble with their wife, they wouldn't divorce her. They would just go marry another one. And there, and it was, it was technically legal, but we see here that it wasn't what was right. And for one of the least commandments, and then number one on your thing, is strive to do what's right, not just what's legal. Strive to do what's right, and not just what's legal. Many people today, they'll say that because something is legal, it's okay. We've got many people in this country today who want them to legalize marijuana. Now, if all of a sudden smoking marijuana becomes legal, does that all of a sudden now make it right? Absolutely not. Many things are legal. Uh, number two, tobacco, some drugs, alcohol. They're legal, but they're not right. In the Bible, it's clear we see that our bodies are the temple of God. We shouldn't be doing things to defile our bodies and to hurt this body that God has given us. We've only got one. You know, we're, this body that you have, you're stuck with it 
until the day you die. And you know, we ought to do our best to take care of it. I'm not telling you all to just go and start eating carrots all the time and nothing else. I mean, if you know me, I'm not into that health stuff. But you know what? I'm also not into going and just doing things that are absolutely nothing but harm to your body. We need to take we need to take care of it. And just because something is legal doesn't make it right. Many people today are just are getting addicted to different medications and things that are illegal. But and some I know sometimes people need them, but boy, people a lot of times they take advantage of it. And we've got to make sure that we do what's right and not just what's legal. It is completely legal for you to get divorced. You could do that. It's legal. But it's not, it's not part of God's plan. We're trying to follow the least commandments. We, we want, we're trying to follow all of them. And God wants you to keep that marriage together. If you have problems, He wants you to work them out. And you know what? If you're married, you're going to have problems. You, two, you just can't have two people that are going to agree on every little thing. Stuff's going to come up. There's going to be things that you're going to have to deal with. My wife, she disagrees with me a lot. You know why? Because she's human. She's going to be wrong sometimes. I got to deal with that. I, I got to deal with that, and vice versa. We're going to, I guess we should probably be honest. But you know what? You can't have two people under the same roof and them not have some problems every now and then. And we've got to learn to work on those. And so many people they think because it's legal, while you yes you could do this. My wife, if she wanted, she could she could leave me tomorrow. And you know what? The law will probably back her up, and I could, you know. Lose them, she could take the kids. Seems like they usually give them to the mom. Legally, she could do that, but it wouldn't be the right thing to do. Just because something's legal, it doesn't make it right. And then verse 33 it says, Again, ye have heard that it's been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. Uh, but I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is His footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. So number three, be honest with your words at all times. Be honest with your words. He's talking here about not swearing or he's, uh, or swearing oaths and things. You know, many times you hear people, they'll be talking and they'll tell you something like, oh, I swear. I, I, I swear. I, you know, they'll say things, I swear to God, which I think is pushing blasphemy right there. But God said not to do those things. And really, the reason He makes a statement, He said these things came because of evil. Swearing oaths, they came because of lies. It was lies. You know why when people are in court, they've had to make laws and things. They have to have these people stand there and put their hand on a Bible and they have to solemnly swear to tell the truth. And you know why they do that? Because so many people lie. They do it. And so they've got to try to do things to make it more serious. But the truth is, as Christians, telling the truth should be what we do all the time. You know what? Nobody should have to make you put your hand on your Bible and say an oath to get you to keep your promises. You ought to just do it. You ought to do it. And the Bible saying, don't go around just swearing things all the time. Don't, don't do that kind of thing. It says, let your communication be yay, yay, and nay, nay. If you say yes, it means yes. If you say no, it means no. Also, 
Uh, signed contracts. You know why we have signed contracts? Because people didn't pay what they promised. I've given this example before. When you go to try to buy a house or even get a loan for a car, whatever it is, they're going to make you sign a million papers. And every single one of those papers, every single one of them came because somebody somewhere found a loophole in the law and they didn't do what they said they were going to do. They agreed that they were going to pay so much money a month until they paid off the balance. And they didn't do it. They didn't follow through with what they said they were going to do. A lot of times they got away with it. They took it to court and they found some loophole in the law. So you know what the companies have to do? They say, you know what, we're going to have to put this other paper in here that says, you know, that kind of covers that. All those things came because of people who didn't keep their promise. Every time, I've said this before and I'll say it again, I know sometimes a lawsuit is okay. There are reasons to sue people. I understand that. But every time there's a lawsuit, every time somebody does not pay their bill or keep their promise, this world becomes a more difficult place. It becomes a worse place. That every time there's a lawsuit, that's one more paper you're going to have to sign the next time you want to do something. I mean, many of the laws that we have today in this country, they're just ridiculous. Many of the tax laws, I did taxes a couple years ago, and some of the tax laws were just, I mean, they were, some of them were just flat out stupid. And some of them is like, man, this is just common sense. But you know what? Somebody didn't do what they said they were supposed to do. Somebody didn't do what they were supposed to do. They weren't honest. And so now that's one more paper you have to fill out. That's one more time you have to sign your name. But a person who's honest all the time, they'll be trusted and they're not going to have to make oaths. You can depend on them. I like people like that. When they say, hey, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, I know I can count on them. There's some people... uh, you know, bless their heart, they like to volunteer. They're always the first ones to volunteer and say they'll do something, but boy, you just you can't count on them. There's, been, there's some people that I've known in the past that uh, maybe for a church activity or something, they told me they were going to do something, and I always make sure I've got a backup plan because I know there's a good chance they're not going to be around. You can't count on them. And we don't want to be like that. Let your communication be yay, yay, and nay, nay. You think about back in the old days. A man, he'd go and he just shakes somebody's hand. And that would that would take care of it there for me. I'm going to pay you this much a month. And that and that guy shook his hand. Boy, that, that handshake, it meant something. You know why? Because back in the day, people's words, their, their word meant something. They it was valuable to them. They couldn't bear the thought of having a reputation in the community that they don't keep their promises. They weren't going to do that. And now, unfortunately, because so many things are legal, people think that they they just don't care about their words anymore. And I'm here to tell you that it ought to matter to you. As a Christian, God wants us to speak the truth at all times. Then verse 38. Um, or I guess number 4, I didn't mention. So swearing oaths came because of lies. And then number 5 is you know, signed contracts came because people didn't pay what they promised. And then a person who is not honest all the time, or a person who is honest all the time, will be trusted. And then number seven, we'll read verse 38 and 39 first. It says, Ye have heard that it's been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Number eight, or number seven, do not retaliate even when you have a right. 
Thank God that we don't do eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth all the time anymore. I've heard it said this way before. If we did eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, we would have a lot of people walking around with one eye and no teeth. Because let me tell you, I don't know about you, but yes, there have some pe- there have been people that in a spiritual sense, maybe they knocked out one of my teeth before. But you know what? So have I. And I'm glad that we have this thing about forgiveness in there because unfortunately, there while we, we all are going to do things sometimes that we don't want to do, and thank God that we can find forgiveness with God, thank God that He gives us that forgiveness and He's told us that we need to give that same forgiveness to other people while it's legal. Once again, when He's talking about you have heard that it's been said of old time, He's talking about the Old Testament law. While it was legal to do that, He was saying, I don't want you to do that. I expect more from you. Yes, if somebody does you wrong, they ought to have to pay it back. I believe today, you know, if people steal, they shouldn't just go to jail. They ought to have to replace what they stole. There are some things that they would have to pay back fourfold. I think I think that's I think those are good laws that we can have in our government. But as Christians, when somebody does us wrong, we don't want to we do not want to burden ourselves. God doesn't want us to burden ourselves with uh, with this. Uh, we don't want to burden ourselves with trying to be judge, jury, and executioner all the time. When somebody does you wrong, sometimes you just need to say, you know what, I'm going to let it go. Yes, they deserve the silent treatment from me. Yes, they deserve a punch in the nose. Yes, they deserve what uh, you know a nasty letter. Yes, they deserve all these things. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. And you know what? The Bible will even agree with you on that. Jesus will agree with you on that. But Jesus says, you know what? I want you to do something a little different. I want you to do things a little bit different now. I want you that when somebody smites you on the right cheek, I want you to turn... The other, you've heard the statement, turn the other cheek. Alright, they, they hit you there. Well, according to the law, you ought to be able to hit them back. But Jesus said, you know what, let's not do that. Let's just turn the other, let's just turn the other cheek. Let it go. Let it go. Really, that's what he did for us when he died on the cross. He paid for every one of our sins. You know, if Jesus wanted to, he could call us out on that, I would think. Say, you know what? I paid for all your sins. You owe me here. And the truth is we do owe him, but you know what? He doesn't, he doesn't do that with us. He doesn't tell us, no, you gotta go spend so much time in hell. Or no, you gotta, he doesn't make all these bad things happen to us as a result. He forgives us for what we do him. And he told us many times in the Bible, as, as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. That's how people can know we're his disciples. There's gonna be people that you work with that are gonna do you wrong. And they, boy, they deserve, they deserve to get beat up. They deserve to just, I mean, really get a, get a chewing from you. They deserve that. But you know what? As Christians, we're trying to follow these least commandments to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to retaliate. You know what? I'm going to let this one go. And let me tell you something. There's a little secret behind that there too. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes, there's stuff that happens and I'm thinking, you know what? I want vengeance really bad. I'd like to get vengeance. But you know what I found out? That when we try to get vengeance, it usually doesn't work. I've gotten vengeance before, and one thing I've found out that it's not that great of a thing. I usually walk away feeling bad too. But you know what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31. And boy, this is this is a this is a great passage to underline in here. Whenever you're mad at somebody, 
you think about this, Hebrews 10.30 says, For we know that uh, him that said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge His people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now let, let me tell you, now I'm not telling you to have this attitude and be excited about this. But let me tell you, when you are done wrong, if somebody truly did do you wrong, if you truly are, usually you're, there's some enough blame to go around. But let's say that you're right. Let's say that you were totally treated unfair, you were 100% right, and they were 100% wrong. What? I'm here to tell you today that God can handle them a whole lot better than you can. He said, vengeance belongs to Me. Do not burden yourself with that on trying to get vengeance. You just forgive. You let it go. And I'm here today to tell you that if they don't get things right with God, not with you, if they don't get things right with God, because let me tell you, God saw what they did to you. He saw that. It, it upset God when they did that. If you, you let it go, you let God deal with it, and God says, I will recompense. Or I will repay. I will take care of it. He may not take care of it like, like we want Him to. We might want the people to get struck with a lightning bolt. But you know what? He's probably not going to do it that way. But I can promise you, He will take care of it. He will. And He may, he may just want to save that person. He may want to save them and forgive that sin. And we ought to be okay with that. We shouldn't be praying, Lord, hurry up and come through on this vengeance thing. We don't want to do that. We let it go. We let God deal with it. And I'm here to tell you that God will take care of it. Vengeance belongs to Him. That's number eight. Vengeance belongs to God. Do not burden yourself with trying to make everything right in this sin-cursed, wicked world that we live in. You'll never be able to do it. You're just You're going to have to let a lot of things go. If you're married, you're going to have to let a lot of things go. If you're a parent or a child, you're going to have to let a lot of things go. If you work a job somewhere, you're going to have to let things go. If you have neighbors, you're just going to have to let some things go. It's it's a constant challenge. But let me tell you, God can deal with these people. I can tell you all kinds of stories about people that I knew in the past that just, I mean, really did me wrong. And man, I saw how God would deal with these people. I remember when I worked at McDonald's, I, I, it was my first job. I was 16 years old, 17 at the time. And I worked with this one guy. His name was John. He was one of the meanest guys I ever worked with in my life. He was mean. This guy, he just, he had one of the most nasty, filthy mouths. I mean, just vile, vile talker. And I remember one time he was just talking and just using all this horrible language. And I said, listen, I said, I'd really appreciate it if you wouldn't use that kind of language. It's like, like I'm a Christian and I just, I, you know, I really don't like that kind of language. And he just, and most time when I would say stuff like that to people, they try, they'd respect it. He just looked at me and said, "We better get used to it." That's exactly what he said. This guy, he was crazy, man. He had he he had cut his girlfriend's name into his arm with a razor blade, real big. It was it was nasty. He had this nasty scar on his arm. He was me. I was scared of this guy. He also wasn't a very good worker. He was lazy, but he like in, intimidated the managers and 
I always got the ugly end of everything. And I would just pray every day, Lord, please don't let me get scheduled with them. Please don't let me get scheduled with them. And every time the new schedule would come up, I remember I would go and I would look at that schedule and I would think, I would see if I had to work with them. And it seemed like I had to work with them every day and it was just a nightmare. And I used to pray, Lord, deliver me from this. I don't like working with this guy. And... It wasn't long after that. I remember I wasn't working with him that night. But I remember I I uh I showed up to work and they told me that I was getting promoted to crew trainer. And that was a big deal because when I got promoted to crew trainer, I got like a twenty five cent raise, which was pretty exciting. But then later they gave everybody a twenty five cent raise and then they bumped me up one more cent after that. I don't know why but anyway. I, I didn't have to wear a hat though. I was real excited about that because I hated wearing the hats. And I remember I, I got promoted. I that first day I came in in my new crew trainer shirt, not wearing a hat. I was so excited. And I remember the night before, he had gotten fired. He was back there messing around. He's throwing knives around. I don't know why. And you know what? He got canned. And I remember that day, I'm, I'm standing there and I'm all excited about my new uniform and everything. And I remember he comes in to get his final paycheck. And there I am standing there in my new uniform. And I saw him look at me and I remember thinking, I remember thinking some thoughts that probably weren't real Christian. You know, like, <laughs> you know, things like that. And I remember not long after that, I got off work and I remember I was, I'm driving my car to the bank to go cash my check. And on the way to the bank, I see him walking down the street. He didn't have a car. He didn't have a job. And I remember, I'm just going to be honest, there was a, I've asked God to forgive me for this. I was very tempted to roll down the window and say, hey, look who got promoted. Look who got fired. Look who's got a car. Look who's walking. And I think, thankfully I didn't do that because he probably would have thrown a knife at me right there. But at the same time, you know what? That is... I believe I believe part of that was a result of the horrible way that you know he he was there at work. I, I believe that God dealt with that. I believe God answered the prayer. I didn't want him to get fired just because I hated this guy. I couldn't stand working with him. I just felt like I needed to take an extra bath when I got done because his his mouth was so dirty. And I was, I was I'm, and, and I was thankful. I could tell you many other stories like that. Almost everybody I've ever worked with that just made me miserable, one way or other. It's like God got rid of them. I've never had I've never had to be around them long. But vengeance belongs to God. I could have tried dealing with it myself, but I probably just would have gotten fired too. I'd have been walking to the bank, but I let God deal with it. Then number number. Nine, do more than what is legally required. Matthew chapter 5, verse 40 says, And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Do more than what is legally required. Right in that first verse there in verse 40, it talks about if you get sued and somebody takes away your coat, give them the cloak also. You know what? What that basically is saying, I believe, is that if you do somebody wrong and they sue you and the law says you have to give them your coat, if you got a cloak that goes with it, 
Don't hold it back just because you can legally. It's like, you know what? You can have this too. Now that would be hard. Because let me tell you, when people get sued, they take it very personal. They get very angry when they lose. But God said, if that happens, if you're found to be wrong, and they, they take it away, give the cloak with it. I've seen this before. I remember we were looking at a house one time, and we were wanting, we were uh, looking to buy a house. This was uh, years ago, and we went into this house, and we, we got all excited when we saw that listing for this house. It was a big house, had a big yard, and it was really cheap. And boy, we were all excited. And thought, man, we'd love to get in this house. We went and drove by it. And we were all excited about looking at it. And I remember we went into that house, and it was disgusting. The place was a mess. I mean, the house was just tore up. There was a big hole in one of the walls. It looked like somebody threw a bowling ball through it. Their dog, they let the thing live upstairs and just go, I think, wherever it wanted to. And it just smelled horrible up there. I mean, it was, it was a mess. The people while we're there, they're just kind of sitting there acting like we're not even there. And the realtor told us that these people, they were being legally, you know, they, they were going to have to leave. And they were mad about it. They didn't want to have to leave. And so they're like, you know what? You can make us leave after a certain amount of time, but you can't make us clean up. Legally, they weren't required to do that. And so those people, I mean, literally just let the house get disgusting. They didn't even make an attempt because they were mad at what the law was requiring them to do. I'm here to tell you that that is wrong. That's wrong. They didn't own that house. And... If, if the law requires you to do something that you don't want to do, you don't take advantage of it. You go ahead and you do more than what's legally required. They should have taken care of that place. They should have cleaned it up. They should have done their best, but they didn't. They had a horrible, horrible attitude and they should have been ashamed of themselves for doing that. But if you're, if you're found to be wrong, make it right and more. Make it right and more. Okay, if you're wrong, it's like, okay, you know what? If I'm wrong, I'll take care of this. I'll do this. Maybe there's a situation where maybe you didn't know you were in the wrong, but you found out legally you were wrong. So you know what? Okay, I'm going to take care of this. I didn't realize that. I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to take care of this. And then also in verse 41, it says, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. I read some commentary on that verse there. And it... Uh, it talks about how back in those days under the Roman law, if a soldier or if somebody, you know, I guess in, like in today's age, like a policeman or somebody in authority, if they came by and they needed help with something, like maybe they needed help carrying some of their armor and weapons, legally that person was required to travel with them for one mile to help them out if they required their services. Legally, they were required to do that. They had to do it. Jesus said, if somebody compels you to go with them a mile, go two. Go twain. Don't do the minimum. He said, do more. If something is required, number 11, do extra. There are, listen, there are some things that we are required to do legally, and they're not fun. We don't like it. We don't want to do it, but we ought to do our best. We ought to try to take care of it. When we, when we bought this building, they came and did an inspection and there was all kinds of little things that they told us to take care of. And I'm here to tell you that most of those things are pretty stupid. Most of those things were very pointless. But you know what? Thankfully, Brother Manasseh, he's been taking care of a lot of stuff. We're trying to take care of it. We're trying to do the right thing by the law. Legally, we're required to do it. And we're trying to do it. We're trying to do it right. 
Because we, we want to be a good example. We don't want to be fighting them on these things. And you know what? Even if, even if legally you're not obligated, if somebody asks for help with something, hey, you know, maybe could you, you come help me with something for an hour? You know what? Go help them for two hours. You know, whatever. I mean, do extra. That's what Jesus said to do. If something is required, do extra. And then in verse 12, or number 12, help people that you are not required to help. Listen, there are some people uh, that we are, in a sense, we are required to help whether we like it or not. You pay, if you pay taxes, you're helping all kinds of stuff. If you pay taxes, you're helping pay for the military. You're helping pay our politicians' salaries. Boy, do I hate that. I'd love to, I'd love to give these guys a pay cut, most of them. But you know what? We're required to do that. We're required to help different programs and things that help other people and poor people. We are required to do those things. But sometimes, sometimes, when I say, you know what? I'm going to help this other person. You're not legally required to do it. Maybe you know somebody they've got a need. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to take care of that need. You know, one of the reasons that the government, and part of this is the government's fault, I believe, but one of the reasons they've got so many government programs today is because God's people have quit being a help to others. We've quit doing it. We've quit, we've quit helping the poor. We've quit helping the widows and the orphans. We've quit doing those things. And somebody had to step in and do it, and the government has stepped in and done a lot of these things. And yes, they're not doing a very good job. Yes, they waste a ton of money. But somebody's got to do it. And unfortunately, churches, we've gotten out of so many things that we are, we're letting the government waste all our money now and do, they're doing a poor job on pretty much everything that they touch. But we need to help people that we're not required to help. Yes, if your neighbor is in need, you are not required by any law, not even really necessarily a biblical law, to help them out with that. But Jesus wants us to go ahead and be a help to others. He said in verse 42, Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. If somebody comes and asks you for money, you are not required by any law to give them that money. If somebody wants to borrow money, you are not required by law to give them, or to lend them money. You're not. But sometimes it's good to go ahead and do it anyway. Doesn't mean you have to every single time. Good night. If we gave money every time we were asked, uh, boy, we wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't have anything. But sometimes God wants us just to do those things, and so help people that you are not required to help. Then, lastly, number uh, number thirteen, Jesus is telling us to do these things so people can tell who's saved and who's lost. You know, as saved people. On our way to heaven, we are different than others. We are saved. We're children of God. We're on our way to heaven. We are different. But you know what? People can't tell just by looking at you necessarily that you are a child of God. I mean, yes, there's things we could do. We can try to, you know, we can try to dress nice and do all those things. And I mean, uh, but at the same time, that doesn't mean anything too. You can look like an Amish person and still be, still be lost. And those things, but what can really give people the true evidence, what can really confirm it for them, is by your actions that they see. 
when they see the works you do. That's why the Bible said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If you do these things that we talked about, any of these things, these least commandments we've been talking about for the last two weeks, if you do these things, People are going to look at that and they're going to, you know what? They're not going to praise you. They're not going to glorify you because you know what? Normal human beings don't do these things. Normal human beings, we don't turn the other cheek. We like to take out vengeance on our own. We don't do more than what's required. We don't do those things. Normal human beings don't do that. And if we do those things, people are going to look and say, you know what? They must really be saved. They must really be Christians. And you know who's going to get glorified by that? Jesus Christ is going to be glorified. And that is the ultimate goal, to glorify Jesus Christ. Every one of these things we talked about, they might sound like, boy, that's asking an awful lot. But can the person who died on the cross to save our souls ask too much? Can the person who created everything that there is ask too much? Can the person who made the very air that we breathe ask too much? I don't think so. I tell you the truth, I don't really think this is asking I don't think this is asking a lot. But he says in verse 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. You know what? It would be, you know, I guess it would kind of be nice, but God doesn't work this way. If we could figure out who's saved by, let's say, God said, you know what? Alright, here's the way I'm going to do it. If you are lost, then you're not, no rain's going to fall on your house. If they, if you have a farm, you're going to have a drought there, and right next door to you, those are Christian, and it does rain there. And everything's good there. Well, then it would be kind of obvious that would be, you know, God doesn't work that way. God sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He makes good things happen to bad people and good people. The only way we can really, that the, the lost can really tell who's different, who's got it and who doesn't, it's through our works. These works that we talk about here at this church, we don't talk about works so you can go to heaven. We talk about doing works because we're going to heaven and so other people can tell that that's where we're going. And hopefully, they'll want to follow you along. They'll follow along. And they'll receive Christ as their Savior. And they'll start doing these things. Just imagine if the world did what we've been talking about tonight. What a better place it would be. But you know what? The world's not going to do it until God's people start doing it. We've got to be the ones to set the example. So let's stand together tonight with our heads bowed and eyes closed.